Mark chapter 4. And this is again from the series we've been doing. Be careful how you hear. Be careful how you hear. We must be careful what we allow ourselves to hear. But we must be careful when it comes to the word of God, how we hear. We'll read just a few verses and then we'll read more so you'll keep your Bible open. Mark 4 verse 1. And he began to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat on the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. He taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed some fell by the wayside and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth and it immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, again we thank you for the cross work, the finished work, the wonderful mighty work of your son on Calvary. We thank you for the precious blood that he shed. And we thank you, Lord, we are the redeemed of the Lord. Father, today we pray that you would wing your word again to our hearts. Speak to us and into our lives. Because, Lord, as our faces differ, so do our needs. And we need you. need you every moment, every minute of every hour of every day. And so we pray, Lord, that you would instruct us and teach us in the way which we should go You'd guide us with your eye this morning and lead us out and lead us on in the Lord Jesus Christ through thy spirit. We love you because you first loved us and we worship you because you're worthy of the worship. We praise you for you alone deserve the praise. So take our hearts, Lord, and settle it in your presence. And take us, Lord, and draw us close to yourself. And may the Holy Spirit of God Move upon us for your glory, Lord Jesus. In your name we ask it and we pray. Amen. You know, the last two Sunday mornings, we looked at the, the, the wayside hearer. We're not going to do recaps on it, but we looked at the wayside here. Then the second Sunday, we looked at the seed that fell into stony ground. And we looked at it quite in depth last week. We don't really want to go back over all of that. So we want to look now at verse 7 of our reading. The Lord Jesus says, And some, that some seed, fell among thorn fruit. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. Notice, some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. When we go to the Lord Jesus and he's expounding the parable from verse 14, he says, the sower soweth the word. Talks about the wayside. We looked at Satan there and the fowls of the air. 
And we looked at other uh, areas of the word and how it differs throughout Scripture in part one. And then in part two as well, we also looked at the stony ground and how it had no depth of the word springs up quickly and it dies away. But when we get then our eyes run down to verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. Notice, such as hear the word. Everywhere that you read here that the seed is sown among whatever it may be, the wayside, the stony ground, the thorns on good ground, there's always hearing, some sort of hearing. They hear with the outer ear. But they're not taking it in their heart. I'm going to look God willing at that this morning. Notice, and these are it's sown among thorns, such as hear the word, verse 19, and the cares of this world. Notice they care about this world, not the world to come. The cares of this word, world, this life, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So now we need to look at this because such as here the word, he finishes off the, the, the parable with who has ears to hear, let them hear. But yet everybody was hearing. And there are things that you'll hear, even we know it's about people coming in, they hear the word of the kingdom, they hear the gospel of salvation, and some leave the way they come in and nothing happens, they're unsaved in and unsaved out. But in our lives, all of these actually fit our hearts, doesn't it? When, remember part one, the devil can come as the Lord's spoken something to your life into a circumstance and situation that you're in. Or maybe the Lord has spoken into something that you've been praying about before. And you hear it in the word, maybe you're studying the word, you're maybe in a quiet time at home, or maybe you're in a place like this, and God speaks to you. And when God speaks to you, it's great. But when you go out, nothing happens with it. For you heard it with the outer ear, but it doesn't fall into the heart. Or again, on the stony ground, you hear it and you go, that's it, going to do much with this. And you, you tend to go a little bit to do something with it. And then you just... Fizzle out. Stony ground. Well, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the loss of other things. There's three things that the Lord Jesus tells us happens to those who has the seed sown among thorns. Let's just look at some of this for a moment. The cares of this world. Do you know what it really means? It means to be drawn in a different direction. Brother, sister, this is very simple this morning. Here is the word of God and here is the Lord you served. Past tense. Here is the Lord you maybe loved. Past tense. And something has drawn you in a different direction. He used to be your first love. Now something has drawn you in a different direction. So first of all, the curse of this world means to be drawn in a different direction. It means to be distracted by anxious concerns and worries of the world. We all have our anxious concerns, don't we? We all have our worries at times. We all have our fears and our anxieties, all of those things. But what happens when you do? What happens when I do? We start to have that mentality where everything's spinning and our heads are just... We just don't know whether we're coming or going. It's when the word that has been spoken to you not only enters the ear gate, but drops down into the heart. 
You need it to drop down into the heart. And if you notice the thorns of this world or the thorns, the cares of this life or this world, they're the thorns. It says, it says, and, and it, it chokes the word. Verse 19, look, entering in, choke the word. It doesn't choke you personally. It chokes the word that's been spoken to you. It chokes the word that's been spoken into your situation. The word that's been spoken into your life. It chokes the word that you were hearing. Chokes the word. The seed can't grow. The seed can't germinate. It chokes you as the person through the word being choked. Does that make sense? Lord, I know what you've told me and I'm going to accomplish this. By your grace, I will do this. By your help, I will go on. Or something has spoken into your life and you've been worried, concerned, or down, or anxious, or fearful, or fretful. And all of these things have come upon you or some of these things and your mind doesn't know what's happening and something this morning drops into your heart or drops into your ear without dropping into your heart, pardon me, drops into your ear and you're saying, that's it, that's the word I needed to hear. Well then, let it drop into your heart because if it doesn't, you're going to find as soon as you go out the doors and you get your Sunday dinners, we say, by the time that happens, there's going to be that loved one who's sick. Start to choke because you care. Nothing wrong with caring. It's good to care. That bill that hasn't been paid, that you can't meet the need of, that boss and worker, that job that you're going to, and you think about tomorrow before tomorrow even comes, we're not even promised tomorrow. It starts to choke you. How am I going to work this? How am I going to get through life? Someone else or something else comes and, and even the, the society itself chokes the word. You know what society does? Chokes the word in you. You become even more down. You come lower than you ever were. Sooner or later, because of the things of this life, all off these curves, all off these thorns, choking you. Chokes the word in you. What happens? You start to die. And the things that you're worried about, the things you're thinking about, the things you're concerned about, all of those things racks our mind. Wake at night, running around your head. You can't cope with it. You know what it is? The word is saying to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Comfort ye. Comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Are you getting it? The seed sowing? You're hearing it? Now let it drop. Because if you don't buy tomorrow, the curse of this world, the curse of this world will draw you in a different direction. You'll be distracted by the anxious concerns and worries. It means the course of this life, the life that you're living, the course of this life, 
Listen, sometimes we're praying, Lord, I'm in a storm, big storm around us. Jesus, you walk on water, and that's true. And we're all full of what he can do, what he has did in the past. But faith will not only tell you what he can do and what he's done in the past, it tells you what he will do. What he will do for you. How he will come through for you. How he will reach those you've been praying for. How he will keep in the palm of his hand those you are fretful over. He will meet the need. He will, he will, he will because you're his child. He hears their cries and he answers their prayers. Brothers and sisters, when you leave this morning and by this evening or tomorrow or whatever, the curse of this world will start speaking into your ear, the same ear that you're listening to. And if your ear is filled with this word, it's not your heart. If your ear is filled with this word, then the curse of this world will be filling your ear too. And it will overcome it. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it looks like, keep trusting what the word says. No matter what it looks, the impossibility, the difficulty of it, keep trusting what the word has said to you. And don't let it be taken out of your heart or out of your ear, out of your mind. Say, Lord, I'm trusting you. You can't see it, but we walk by faith, not by sight. So if you're walking because you only go what you see, that's not faith. But we will have faith to walk in what we also see. Your faith in him, that he will answer your prayer, that not only that, but you're walking along with him, trusting him, that he is your heavenly father who loves you. He loves you. And he loves you. And so this morning... The cares of this world. What are you going home to? Oh, don't think about it. Well, by the time you go home, I'd love you to go home this morning and say this. No matter what's facing me, no matter what I'm going to hear tomorrow, no matter what a doctor's report says, no matter what comes my way, no matter the anxiety, the bill, the worry, the fret and the fears and all who are against me, no matter what it is, I know since my God is for me, Who then can be against me? We know the scripture says, if God be for us, who then can be against us? Now the word if, really in the Greek translation, is is stronger than our if. It may be if he is, or if he isn't. That's the English, isn't it? If he is. In the English, a slight sort of a doubt is if he is, but what if he's not? And so doubt comes in. That's not the way the Greek translation will read it. It reads, since he is. Since he is for us, not only if he's for us, but since he's for us, because in the way it reads is, it's a positive note that Christ is for us, our God is with us, neither to leave us nor forsake us. So this morning you have the cares of this world will choke the word. If it can choke the word, it will cause you to die in faith, cause you to become more like the world. The fall away from Christ. Secondly, we have the deceitfulness of riches. Turn with me to Psalm 52, please. Psalm 52. And we're just going to lift one verse out. 
Verse 7. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength. He trusted in the abundance of his riches. Now notice here, the riches here has a negative connotation. You know, being rich isn't sinful. Having money is not sinful. The love of it is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Not money is the root. I hear people saying, oh, money is the root of all evil. No, it isn't. It's the love of it. It's the heart behind it. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12. Now, we have Psalm 52 and 7 said, Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Now, I wonder, is it possible, in which I think it is, that the Lord Jesus has drawn on this text. And here in Luke chapter 12, let your eye run down to verse 20. This is the man who has the great harvest and pulls down his barns to build bigger. He says, I'll say to my soul in verse 19, there is much goods laid up for many years. Take thine easy, drink and be merry. Verse 20, but God said unto him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich Toward God. That's very important. Rich toward God. In other words here, the man in the psalm, Psalm 52 in verse 7, here the man in Luke chapter 12, and especially here God's uh, reply to his own thoughts in verse 20 and 21, he says, you're a fool. You're trusted in your own strength. You're trusted in your own riches. And it's going to come to nothing, for this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Here's something to remind ourselves of. When we're striving so much to do, whether it's work or to attain, by all means do, please. I'm not saying not to. Please get, the, please get this right and get me right. But sometimes it takes the place of what God wants you to do. Sometimes it fills your life so much there's no time for God and what he has for you. Sometimes there's no place now where Christ is first in the life. Now he's going down the rungs of the ladder until he's way down the list somewhere. And and you see, it's because we're striving after the work, after the overtime, after the money, after the riches, after the pleasure of it. And it soon becomes the love of the money, the love of the treasure comes the love of your pleasure. And he's not rich toward God. Rich toward God. So we get the idea here where you could be uh, the curse of this world. It could be the, the, the deceitfulness of riches. It has to be the best car, the, the biggest house, or the most expensive plush carpet. 
Mrs. Bouquet and all that sort of stuff. I'd rather live in a hovel with God than in a mansion without him, brother. I'll say it again, brother, sister. I'd rather live in a hovel with God than in a mansion without him. Notice this, by all means, please, please get me right here. I'm not saying don't do well. By all means, do well. But not at the expense of your time, your worship for the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here in Mark chapter 10, if you'll turn to it, please. Mark chapter 10. And the reason I'm saying this is because this is what chokes the word in the believer. The further they are away, the harder it is for them to come back. Mark chapter 10. And let's just let our eye run down this morning to verse 23. There's a young man comes. Jesus gives him, he says, what must I do to be saved? The young man comes and uh, Jesus tells him that he may inherit eternal life. And, and the young man's told the commandments. Keep these commandments. And he says, all of these have had served from my youth. Let your eye run down. He goes away sad. Verse 23. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He's not saying because they're rich here, by the way. He's saying because they love the riches more than God. It chokes, chokes the word of God in the believer. And then he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the avenue than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is through Christ and his finished work. And those of us who are trusting in the Savior, those of us who are washed in the blood, and those of us who are saved by the sovereign grace of God, who have been called by him and we've we've repented of our sins and we find that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Those of us who are going on with God and sometimes we're going on better than others. Brothers and sisters, and then so easy for our minds to be distracted with the curves of this world, takes us a different direction. The deceitfulness of riches carries us somewhere else and we end up destitute. We end up wondering why we're all, we feel cold and harder. Back, let's be honest, backslidden away from God and heart. You know, you don't need to be in the world and the pubs and the clubs, and you don't need to be cursing and swearing and getting up, getting on like a, 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 a some sort of devil to say you're backslidden from God. You can be backslidden from God sitting in the church in your seat. Well, your heart is far from him. Your heart is fell out of love with Christ. The curse of the world, the deceitfulness of those riches. Here's something for you. Do you remember whenever, before you got say that job, or do you remember before you were blessed with that thing you prayed for? And now even there are times when, you know, 
used to be at every meeting in the house of God and all of a sudden now I, I can't, I'm, I'm doing overtime. I can't because I need to save money because we're looking to go to an expensive holiday. And God's house suffers at the expense of it. Sometimes, this is being honest from my heart, sometimes, and I have to be really honest here, when people ask me would I do give a reference for them for a job, and it's not a problem. If I know you, it's not a problem. But then that job starts to take you away from the house of God. I feel responsible because I did that. I feel responsible. I feel partly responsible because I signed that off. Brothers and sisters, the deceitfulness of riches or the curse of the world, thirdly, is the lust of other things. The lust of other things entering in. Notice Mark 14, verse 19. And the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and become and it become unfruitful. So when we look at this, the lust of other things, I want to go back, if I can, to these deceitfulness and what we should look for and what do we lust after? For example, in Romans 11 and 33, Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches, notice this, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Notice here, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom. I mean, if we were seeking God in here and at home or wherever, and we had that walk with God, we would find the wisdom more of God. That's riches. That's a greater riches to have than the riches in whatever bank you're in, you bank with. The wisdom of God is something that has to be freely given through grace to us because we can't know him unless he show us. And notice in the knowledge of God, surely if we wanted to know more of him, then we would be placing him first, that we would love him first, search after him first, strive after him first, because he says that when you seek me with all your heart, he says, I will be found of you. And that's the promise, that if you seek him with all of your heart, don't give up. And you say, I'm in a barren place, a dry land. Yes, something's drawn me away. Listen, he says, you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found of you. And there's riches that you'll never, ever be able to attain, but given by grace because we're seeking him. In Ephesians chapter 1, it speaks of the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. I mean, we're only touching the surface whenever we start to think of his grace. Touching the surface of it. And the riches that's in it, we'll never fully know it until he come back again. Ephesians 1 and 18 speaks of the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. Now, the words here for the glory of the inheritance of the saints, actually, it, commentators sort of have a bit of a, a, a struggle with this. 
Our inheritance is we're going to receive a new body, aren't we? That's our crown of life, you know. That's our mansion from on high. That's the real mansion. We're not going to have a big key and a big house and walk into it, you know. That's our mansion. A resurrected, glorified body. And in this we find that the, the, the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. Some say, well, there's all our inheritance. And amen, and that's true. And many agree with that. But others say there could be a connotation here that it gives the idea of the inheritance of the saints or the glory of the inheritance of the saints is what God receives on the final day in the sense that the fruit that you bear, his inheritance is in there. Deuteronomy 32 speaks of God and he says his inheritance is his people. His inheritance is his people. And so when we're united all in the spirit and resurrected and glorified, there's going to be a time when the inheritance of the saints to us will be fully known. But to God, he rejoices in the work of his son. He rejoices in what Christ has done and the fruit, the service, the labor, not for salvation, but for service. But for service. Ronnie was on before the judgment seat of Christ part of his message on Wednesday night at the Men's Fellowship. And I think, he, I think he stole part of a sermon that I was going to write. And I thought, right, I better go back to the drawing board. There is a place where we will stand before God to give an account of our life as a believer. To receive. To receive from the Lord. But the Lord must receive from us now. The Lord must receive from us now so the lust of other things there's your riches we should run after there are others but let's just change this for the lust of other things here's what it simply means the cravings or the passionate desire to do either evil or good the believer should have a craving a passionate desire to do good but to do good means to serve Christ And to serve Christ means you're doing good to others. You're doing good for his service. And this word here, um, for loss of other things, the Lord Jesus, Pastor Aaron read it this morning, round the table, Luke chapter 22 and verse 15. And this is what the Lord Jesus said when he was breaking bread, with desire. It's the same word that's used for lusts here. With desire, I have desired. It's the same word. Only it's an order here. It's I have desired to be with you, to do you good. To break this bread. To institute this Passover. This breaking of bread service that we've done this morning. With desire, I have desire. In other words, it's, it, it lust to us sounds like something that's of a, of a filthy nature. But here the idea is that it's a passion of, of Christ was to break bread with his disciples. Now I thank the Lord this place is packed out this morning. It's wonderful to see. But I can tell you something. There are those who could be at the table this morning and they're not. Every believer, every single believer 
who is able should be at the table have a desire, a passion, and a lust to gather around to remember him. If we don't have a passion, if we don't have a desire, a craving for Christ, then what is our passion? What is our desire? And what is our craving for? Who is it for, if not Christ? Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world. Notice this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's writing to believers. He's writing to believers. And nowadays it's, you know, all you can do what you want and you can just say, I'm coming down to their level and partaking in their sin because I I have the love of the Father. No, No, the scripture doesn't say that, brother, sister. The scripture says if you love the world, the love of your Father isn't in you. And then he goes on to say this. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not off the Father, but it is off the world. This is the world that's choking the word in you. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. See, if you keep going on with God and doing the word of God and the will of God, see all those naysayers and scoffers and all those who would hate you and hurt you or whatever, you keep going on with God. Don't let the, the, the world, the flesh, the devil, the lusts of it thereof, the passions and the cravings of it, don't let it take the word and choke it in your heart like the thorns around this sowing seed, which is the word of God. Because if you do, You'll die, but if you don't, you'll abide while everything else. You'll abide while everything else is down around you. You'll come through. Notice here the word love. Here's the, here's the, the description of it: a love. It's a love that is called out of the heart. It is a love that is called out of the heart. According to the preciousness of the object that is loved. I'll say it one more time. The word love, agape, is the word, uh, uh, a love that is called out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is loved. And you see, you, you have things that call the love out of your heart because it's so precious to you. It could be uh, your sport. So precious to you. All you can see is your sport, your favorite football team or whatever it may be. I don't follow those things, but you know, whatever it may be, it calls the love out of your heart. I just love, I was going to mention a team there, but I don't really know much about them. I was afraid of one of you throwing something at me. So I'll not mention, I'll mention the best football team in the world, Crusaders. <clears throat> 
I don't even follow them either. I used to live beside them. I used to follow them years ago. And you're fixated on it, or it could be some other thing. And it could be somebody's music, or it could be some actor, or whatever it may be. All those worldly things, and you're, oh, I just love all of this. I love him, and I love her, and I love that. And, and it's called out of your heart. It, it just, it's, like a, it's like heat radiating from it. It draws the love out of the heart. That's the word love here. And on the other side of it, the father sent his son. And the father gave his son that you would be uh, saved through Christ. And what happened? You, believer, call the love out of the father's heart. Why? Because he loves his son. He gave you to his son in eternity. And because he loves his son and he gave you to his son in eternity, he loves you like he loves his son. You and I, believer, we call out the father's heart. The Father's love is called out by you. Don't even have to do anything. Why? Because he chose to fix his love upon you. Nothing you did at all. But we love the world. And there's those believers who love the drink. Hello? Isn't that right? There's those believers that love the, uh, the nightlife. There's those believers who love whatever else that calls the love out of your heart. I can't help it. I just love that. I just love the wee drink. I just love the wee night out. I just love all of that. Well, you know why I don't do that anymore? Because God called me out of that and saved me from that. And you know what? You know what I love? I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love him. He calls the love out of my heart. He is the one who's in my heart. My heart is drawn to Christ. The first thing I thought of this morning, as soon as I opened my eyes, the Lord Jesus. It mightn't have been a great, wonderful spiritual experience, but as soon as I opened my eyes, I went, oh Lord. You know why? Because he's in there. He calls the love out. So, Brother, sister, who or what calls the love out of your heart? So there's the three that John gives us in John 4. Quickly, we're going to look at the last one. This is a short one. And we'll finish this series. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Notice. Hear the, the sown on good ground. Hear the word and receive it. In Mark 16, pardon me, 4 and, 4 and verse 16, look what it says. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, word immediately receive it with gladness. They receive it. Stony ground hearers receive the word, spring up like shooting stars and die out. But if you receive the word, how does that happen? Well, because there was no root, absolutely. But the word receive here and the word receive in verse 20 are two different words in the original text. 
For example, the word here in verse 16, the stony ground hearer immediately receives is the word lambano. Lambano. Do you know what it means? To receive it from a self-prompted action. That's what it means. To receive it from a self-prompted action. Ah, that sounds good. I, I don't know how many people... Over the years that I've been talking to you about the Saviour, uh, thankfully many have come through for Christ, and forget it, so many who have been, I oh, will, I'll try that. And I just, know what I say to them? Just forget it. I'll try that. <coughs> try Jesus. Just forget it. What about I need him? The idea is from a self prompted experience or a self-prompted action, they say, aye, I'll try this Christian thing. And they're all guns blazing for a while, you know. Look at me. This is great. And you know what? I'm, 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 I'm living a better life. My, my pocket isn't empty yet the last few weekends because I haven't been out taking a drink. And, you know, and that's all good. And they're all looking at this and you're saying, and people are going, and we all go, it's fantastic. Keep going on, but it's what's in the heart. You see, the idea is he prompted himself to the action of receiving, but he wasn't saved. Here in verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. The word receive here is paradakhome. Paradakhome. And this is what it means. Remember, para means alongside of. Come alongside of. Dakhome means to take up. To take up. You hear about the Lamb of God. You take him up. You hear about his precious blood being shed for you. You take him up. You hear about the forgiveness of sins in Christ alone. You take him up. You hear it's him and you're a sinner and he's the only saviour. You take it up. That's the idea of it. Here, for example, in Hebrews 12 and 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Oh, that's changed it, hasn't it? I see, I'll come to Jesus and get myself right. Um, I'll come to Jesus and I'll choose Jesus just before I die. If I, well, for one thing, what if I don't get the chance? But here's another thing. This, I'll come to Jesus now. Listen, you can't come to Jesus. You just can't. You might have a prompted action, like the man on stony ground. Ah, oh, yes, I'll do that before I die. Takes the Holy Ghost to awaken you from your dead state. Takes the Holy Spirit to speak and quicken you, regenerate you, that you can even know that there's power in the blood. That you can receive the power of the blood. That you can even accept the power of the blood. And here, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. Every son he receiveth is, every son that he takes. <laughs> Salvation is off the Lord. He takes. I have decided to follow Jesus. What are we saying here? I have been chosen. He takes. What if God rejects some people? Have you ever thought of that? 
every son that he takes, he receives. Same word. For example, again, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 28, Simeon is in the temple. And it says he wouldn't, the Lord says he won't die until he's seen the Lord's Christ, the salvation of the Lord. And the baby Jesus comes in, the young child, and he, he's brought into the temple and it says he takes him up in his arms. It says, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. And Simeon says, now thy servant can I depart in peace for I've seen the salvation of the Lord. Looking at Christ, the child. He took him up in his arms. It's the idea of this word. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, Paul says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul's saying, take it up, put it on, lift the word, lift the sword and keep it in your hand. It's the idea of it. Take it to yourself, take the word. That's the idea of this. Acts chapter 3 and verse 21, Peter says, the heavens must receive, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution. Speaking of the risen Christ, ascending into heaven goes through the heavens. Peter says the heavens must receive him until the times of restitution. The heavens took Jesus right up into them. Takes Jesus right up into them. It's the same with the word of God. So I'll close. Thank you for your attention. Last scripture, Ephesians 3 and 16. And this is my closing scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, please. And... Tell you what, let's go to verse 8 instead. Paul writes, Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given. We could all say that, couldn't we? All? We could all say that. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let your eye then drop down to verse 16. That he would grant you as Paul's prayer, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying, I'm the least. But I've taken him up. I'm praying for you that he would strengthen you to do the same. Whenever we look at the parable next time you're going out home think about it I will not let the devil take the seed I will not be just a prompt of action and nothing's done about it like the stony hearer I will not be like the, the man who went out and trusted in the riches rather than Christ. The thorny ground. The woman who searches after other things and strives and frets after them rather than Christ. But rather I'll be the one whom the seed will fall this morning in good ground. I will take it up. Bring it to myself. It's the idea. Bring it in. Take the word in. Take the word in, brother. Take the word in to your sister. 
get it into you. And guard it. And carry it. And you'll bear fruit. God bless you this morning. For his name's sake. Amen. Amen.